We are continuing our series uh, of the summer in the book of Psalms, and uh, we've gone over quite a few already this morning. We are going to take a deep dive into Psalm 121. So if you've missed it, maybe perhaps this is your first time here during this series, uh, we've been talking a lot about music and about songs and what they mean to us. And so uh, you probably know that songs and music often shape our lives in ways that we're actually still discovering. Um, I come from a very proud Puerto Rican family. And so every child born in a Puerto Rican family knows the feeling of waking up on a Sunday morning uh, to the radio blasting some Elvis Crespo and some Mark Antony and some Juan Luis Guerra. Uh, this was the, the morning wake-up call. Uh, the merengue and the salsa and the bachata was not a signal to get up out of bed to join the party. Rather, it was an alarm. Uh, it was an alarm to do what was necessary for Sunday mornings, which was cleaning the house. Amen, hallelujah. Cleaning the house. So uh, mom would come out with a few buckets, a mop, a broom, some gloves. I ponte a limpiar. Get, get to cleaning. Get to cleaning. Because music uh, was a part of the process. Some songs have the unique ability to transport you back in time. Anyone ever have that feeling of just nostalgia? Uh, a certain song comes on the radio and you're like, man. In the field of memory research, there's a theory called the reminiscence bump, where our brain recognizes music we've heard before, but not only does it recall the, the memory of the song, but it will also conjure up the other sensory memories that have been associated to it. So that's why a certain song comes on the radio, and all of a sudden, Marcus, you're transported back into the seventh grade. You're on the bus staring into the eyes of your, of your middle school crush. Whoa, this song has uh, some power to it. The reminiscence bus, uh, bump. Songs also have the ability to give us confidence for the present and the future. I'm sure if we were to ask uh, our sound engineers to play the soundtrack to Rocky, we'll start to get a few people, you know, stretching, uh, ready for a couple, a couple mile uh, run or uh, ready to put the gloves on to go a couple of rounds. Songs form us, they shape us and inspire us. And that's precisely what the book of Psalms was for God's people. It was a collection of music that was to form and inspire them into a deeply rooted relationship with God. More than just music, though, the Psalms are also prayers. Prayers expressed by men and women who sought God in the low seasons of life and also in the highs. This is why it's so important for us to read through the book of Psalms, read through these prayers. One theologian puts it this way, the Psalms provide us with language that helps us access our souls. To put it plainly, when we read the Psalms, we gain and, and are better equipped to 
uh, name and describe our joys and our anxieties. The Psalms help us identify what we lack and what we have, also what we long for. This morning's passage is Psalm 121. And I actually knew this psalm before I knew it. Uh, there's a, 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 an old song I was talking to Deb earlier this morning, an old song uh, by Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Anyone know Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir? And there's this beautiful song. I remember as a kid, uh, my sister was in a singing group, and they would uh, often uh, sing this at their concerts, and it was uh, My Help by the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Uh, I knew it as a kid because I heard it so many times. I knew it by heart. And I didn't know, it was only until later in life that I realized this is Psalm 121, word for word, in, in song now. So this psalm has taken root in my heart, and my prayer is that this morning it will take root in your heart as well. I invite you to, to read with me. Uh, Psalm 121, I'm reading from the New International Version. You could follow along in the version of your choosing. Psalm 121, and it says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. Pray with me. Father, we surrender these moments to you. We know you have been moving in this place. We have felt your presence, O Lord. So as we have opened up your word, we pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would open up our hearts and our minds, and that your word would take root there. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 121 is uh, titled, A Song of Ascent. Uh, it is part of a larger collection of psalms that were used as songs for traveling. You probably know this already, that the Jewish calendar was divided into religious holidays. So throughout the year, uh, the Jews would be celebrating, constantly having feasts, constantly having reasons to, to gather together for worship and fellowship and to party. And so some of these celebrations required attending the, the annual feasts in Jerusalem at the sanctuary there. And so you can imagine now Jews traveling throughout the year from all parts of Israel and beyond to celebrate in Jerusalem. And while they journeyed there, they sang songs. They compiled a, a, a list of uh, musical pieces that were befitting for the road. I talked to a few of the, uh, the band members this morning about what kind of music they, they listen to while they're on the road trip. Maybe uh, it's a long uh, ride to get to somewhere, anywhere. And it ranged everything from uh, musicals, from In the Heights, all the way to country music, to Morgan Wallen. I know uh, that's, a, that's a big one for Millie. Uh, so uh, the Jews did the same thing. They had music that they listened to for the road and while they traveled. 
And these songs were meant for encouragement, for inspiration, for the journey that lied ahead. And this morning, there's so much to unpack in this short psalm. Psalm 121 has so much robust theology uh, about uh, humanity, about God. We could spend literally over an hour just discussing all the exegetical pieces of this text. But this morning, I, I tried my best to boil it down to just two big claims about the God of Israel here in Psalm 121. And I believe they offer confidence and peace to those who are on the journey of life. These claims are meant for blessing. First and foremost, God in Psalm 121 is described as a watchful helper. In fact, the word that most appears in this text throughout the entirety of Psalm 121 is this Hebrew verb, shamar. It appears six times in the psalm. It means to watch or to keep or to preserve. But I need you to understand that this is not a passive watching much like we are accustomed to watching our favorite TV show or our favorite sports team on the couch, uh, this is an active watching, a participative watching. I don't want us to confuse what God does as in, indifferent observation. The psalmist makes a profound claim about the God of Israel, and, and here it is. Uh, in the ancient Near East, many of the gods were depicted as sleeping. Uh, And and I I need you to stick with me uh, because this is important to get. Uh, These gods were depicted as sleeping. In fact, in the Atrahasis epic and the Enuma Elish, which were both uh, texts about uh, Babylonian uh, creation and deities, the gods Aspu and Enil complain and even punish humanity for waking them up from their sleep. The humans, according to, 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 these, uh, to the pantheon in Babylon, uh, the humans were too noisy. So the gods punished them and were angry with them. I, I felt very identified with this as I read this. This sounds like a Latino household. This sounds like mom say, hey, dad is sleeping. The, the gods were depicted as sleeping, as the, having this indifferent relationship with creation, with humanity. In fact, if you remember the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel, you will note that uh, when they had the challenge, whose God was real, more powerful, and he challenges the priests of Baal uh, to to pray to Baal to see if he would uh, send down fire from heaven to burn up the offering. Uh, They were shouting and beating themselves and trying all sorts of things, and nothing happened. So Elijah mocks them. He said, hey, maybe Baal is asleep. And you got to turn up the volume to get his attention. He needs to wake up from his slumber. The God of Israel, described by the psalmist in 121, on the other hand, is totally different. The, The psalmist describes the God as neither slumbering nor sleeping. The truth is God is not distracted in his care over creation. He is attentive to every detail intimately concerned about even the little things in our lives that we would describe as trivial. In fact, the very words of Jesus are that 
God has numbered every hair on your head. The truth is that God watches, God sees. The fear of many that I hear as a pastor is often going through life unseen, not cared for, unknown. The text reminds me that God is attentive to every detail in our life. I'm reminded of the story of Hagar uh, as she is in the wilderness fleeing from uh, Sarah and Abraham's household. And this is actually the first time in all of Scripture that someone uh, gives a name to God. And the name that she gives to God is the God who sees me. The God who sees me. And in Psalm 121, that is the reminder to those who are traveling on their way to Jerusalem, on their way to celebrate. God sees you. But this isn't just uh, a seeing and and watching that uh, is observant. The text reminds uh, us that he is watching, but he is also able to save. To the point that the foot of the sojourner, of the pilgrim, does not slip. The guardian of Israel never nods off or dozes off on the job. He doesn't fall into a a deep sleep. He is being described as someone you could rely on, someone you can put your trust in. Secondly, the psalm makes a claim about God as a shield. The text tells us, Verse 5, the Lord watches over you. There's that word again, shamar. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. He is your shade at your right hand. And for the longest time, my interpretation of the shade at your right hand uh, was more related to nature, right? God is like that tree that provides shade. And of course, that is a worthwhile interpretation of the text. But in my study, I found that scholars actually point out the military imagery of this psalm. Psalm 121, the author is utilizing uh, some very common, uh, uh, understood realities of warfare. The truth is, most soldiers would carry their shield on their left arm. They would use their left arm to carry their shield, but this is obviously creating an exposure to their right side. And so the psalmist describes God as that faithful friend who puts himself on our most vulnerable and weak side. I asked a question, church, what area in your life do you feel most exposure? For me, this week, answering that question was pretty tough because uh, it made me realize that the area in my life that has always felt most exposed and most vulnerable has been and always been my anxiety. Uh, I was talking to my therapist this week about my experience with anxiety and I commented that at least for half of my life, it's felt like I have been somebody other than myself, that I have not been the full person I know myself to be. And my biggest fear has actually always been that my anxiety would take control of my life, that it would be uh, in the driver's seat, that it would ruin the, uh, the dynamics of work and um, my relationship with family and friends and those around me. 
In fact, you probably recall my first Sabbath here in February, I was on calendar to, to preach that, that day. And someone actually asked me today, um, hey, how come you didn't speak that day? The truth is, that week I had two panic attacks leading up to that Sabbath. And, and for me, it's always been my anxiety that has felt like the biggest point of exposure, the biggest place in my life that I felt vulnerable. Thankfully, the pastoral staff here was so gracious and, and loving and caring to uh, make sure that I didn't have to stretch myself uh, beyond my limitations. Uh, and so for me that week, the shield on my right side took the form of my colleagues my family and friends who were praying for me. The beauty of this text is that God guards the most exposed parts of our lives. Where we may feel the weakest is actually where we are the strongest. I'm going to say that again. Where we may feel the weakest is actually where we are the strongest because God posts up on the weakest side. God posts up and guards the most exposed parts of our lives. So that's the question again. Where do you feel the most exposure in your life? Perhaps it's been at home. Maybe you are going through life after divorce. Perhaps it's the deep grief over the loss of a loved one, uh, a challenge with your health, an unanswered prayer. Maybe you are in a season of transition, going from one job to another, uh, and, and you're uncertain about what the future holds. Uh, maybe you feel like you're in a spiritual funk. The grace God extends is that the most vulnerable are shielded by his very presence. And I love that in Psalms elsewhere, it says this. It says this truth. God stands at the right hand of the needy to save their lives from those who would condemn them. So where in your life do you feel most exposure? This text not only invites us into self-examination, to being able to identify those parts uh, uh, of our life that feel weak and exposed, but it also invites us into rest because shade in Scripture, and especially the Psalms, is also synonymous with a restful place, a place of peace. I know I don't have to lecture people in uh, the Inland Empire about the beauty and the necessity of shade, right? Uh, especially this past month and a half where we've had every single day over 100 degrees. You know the, the, the beauty of shade. In fact, if we were to observe just for five to ten minutes the parking habits of those who came in a car, you realize that most people are trying to get uh, and fight for at least five or six spots in our parking lots. Yeah? I know you've, been that, you've done that before. You try to get to church early and you say, man, that was my spot. I wanted it. So you have to find somewhere else, under a tree or uh, the shadow that's being casted by the building. Uh, you, you know that shade provides this sense of protection, sense of peace. When I was a kid, 
I was afraid of the dark. Anyone ever afraid of the dark? Anyone still afraid of the dark? Oh my goodness. All right, I'm not alone, thank, thankfully. thankfully. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the dark. Was, past tense, I'm not anymore. Um, and so I have three sisters, and their pranks often consisted of uh, making me try to overcome my fears. Um, and so <laughs> they, a, a few vivid memories of being locked up into a dark room and banging on the door, let me out, let me out. And so I was afraid of the dark, and I would sleep with the lights on. Not a nightlight, with the lights, all of them, on in my room. And so I remember... One night, my mom, uh, she came all sweet and motherly and tenderly, you know, uh, after I'm already in bed and getting ready to uh, say goodnight, and, and she comes in and she says, listen, you don't pay the bills here. <laughs> when you're old enough, then maybe you can keep the lights on, but we're going to work on this. And so uh, she knew I was afraid of the dark, so of course, she comforted me with uh, a psalm that she would recite when she was scared. And, and I've never forgotten it, Psalm 91, verse 1. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. That word shadow, it's the same word in Hebrew for shade. The pilgrim finds rest in the shadow of God. Rest from fighting their own battles. Rest from the journey. Rest from weariness, anxiety, and despair. Church family, what is God calling you to rest from? I'm reminded of the words of Jesus he shared to his disciples. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. So here we are on life's journey. Perhaps you're like me, anxious for what lies ahead. Or maybe you are grieving for what you have left behind. My invitation to you is this same action that the psalmist uh, takes in verse 1, to lift up your eyes, to look beyond the hills of uncertainty and unrest towards the God who is committed to faithfully watching you and shielding you through all of life's journeys. Pray with me. Father, we're so thankful for what you have committed to doing. You have committed to being a watchful helper. You are intimately concerned about every detail in our life and readily available to save us. And Father, you shield us in the day of trouble. Our weakest parts are exposed to us, but by your grace, you have covered them all. We thank you so much. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.